Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness podcast hosted by Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Fractor. We are two millennial therapists who enjoy having authentic conversations with real people who share their experiences and passions with a mental health twist. Conversations that inspire discovery of self, insight into deeper spirituality, and alternative ways to support mental health and wellness. As a reminder, this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only. All topics discussed on the podcast are from the viewpoint of our guests and their personal experiences. Information shared on the podcast is not a replacement for therapy, therapeutic advice, or medical treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says. We're so happy to have you here. If you couldn't already tell by the title, this is our one-year anniversary episode. And even though it's not being released on our exact anniversary, July 23rd, this Friday, is our one-year anniversary. How does it feel, Ryan? It's crazy. I mean, the world has changed A lot of things have happened over the last year. We started this in the middle of a pandemic. And although we are still kind of transitioning out of the pandemic, the world is more open now and people are kind of having their summers that they didn't get to have last year. So it feels like it's been longer than a year, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's been a year. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's really crazy to think that we've been doing this for an entire year and just how fast the year has flown by. It just felt like last summer almost didn't exist. And the fact that we decided to go through with, um, you know, starting this podcast was really a great choice. I think, I think we've learned a lot in the last year and it's nice to see our growth over time, especially because, you know, we started this because we wanted to use our voices in a platform that was different from, you know, doing traditional therapy and being in our therapy sessions. We have a lot to add and we wanted to use this creative platform. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do it. And we've had some amazing guests on in the last year. We've recorded a handful of solo episodes and it's been really fun. I agree. It has been fun. And I think one of the biggest things too, is just that we've surprised ourselves with the caliber of guests that we've had on the podcast. I mean, we've had some major podcasters, some major TikTok influencers. We have had friends on, we've had people we've never spoken to before. And all of those conversations have been amazing. We've learned a lot about ourselves and a lot about the topics they've been able to share. And that's kind of like why we're doing this. It's fun. It's creative. And we also get to really have good conversations with people that we may never have been able to do that with before. Exactly. And one of the best things about podcasting in general and having episodes live on in the social media world is anyone at any time can go back and listen to them. And uh, I think a lot of the guests that we had on this past year were all extremely relevant and their information is still relevant. Maybe not our pandemic episodes in a year from now, they won't matter as much, but I feel like the guests that we've had on this year really were influential and uh, their, their conversations are, you know, going to live on forever on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's scary to think about, <laughs> especially our first episode. I, we should all honestly go back and listen to it at one point together, but um, yeah. 
I think it's been a really fun ride and we're going to continue to do this and see where it takes us. We've some, seen some really great growth and we've talked to some great people that have given us some feedback about our podcast and we're humbled and thankful for all of that because, you know, we just started not knowing how to do this at all. It's completely new to us and we've really learned a lot along the way. And I'm sure if you scroll back far enough into our Instagram, you will see that it has taken some good <laughs> changes along the way as we figured it out. So yeah, I mean, this today, Lauren and I are going to be talking about kind of our self journey um, with confidence, with growing up in our families, about a little bit about mental health and and things along those lines. So um, it's going to be a little bit more of a personal episode. uh, And hopefully you guys can relate or learn something from the experience we have. Yeah. And we also took new photos. I'm sure you can tell by uh, if you went on our Instagram, um, we recently had a photo shoot because it's funny, Ryan and I, you know, we don't see each other very often, especially because she moved. I mean, when she lived here, we saw each other all the time. Um, But we really didn't take a ton of photos when she lived here. So we really uh, had to make sure that when she was in town, we got together and we had our own little photo shoot that we did ourselves. And we're really proud of the way the photos turned out. So uh, you'll be seeing more of those. Yes. Don't judge us too hard for our self-photography on (laughs) my haunted school campus that we were on, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully you guys like some of that new content and hopefully some new branding will be coming through eventually. We have a new logo to introduce as a supplement for our first logo. Uh, So we have some cool things popping up. Yeah. So stay tuned. We have a lot more coming in this next year. So, right. Let's dive in. Um, I'm going to ask this first question to Ryan. What are some changes you've noticed since you were a kid in regards to where you are now, your confidence, and even reflecting on just the last year of of being, you know, a podcaster? Well, to give some background information to everybody, um, just kind of my family dynamics. I grew up in a family of four. My mom and dad are still married and I have an older brother who I am very close to. And my grandparents lived on the street from us growing up. So we spent a lot of time with them and, you know, we kind of, my mom and dad worked full time. So my grandparents helped raise us for the most part. I would say that I was a pretty lonely kid growing up. I didn't have much of a social life or a lot of friends. I was always really shy and really anxious. And that's kind of carried onto adulthood, the anxious part, not the shy part. Um, And so that's kind of a big change that's happened for me since I was a kid. I think that I've really grown into my own confidence and ability to use my voice, which is something I didn't use a lot as a kid. And also just not worrying so much about the outcome of things. I would worry so much about everything. Like I was always worried about something bad happening or what people were going to think about me or whether something was the right choice. And although I still struggle a little bit with wondering if I'm making right choices, I don't worry so much anymore and I'm able to kind of just live without having that holding me down. So I'm not quite as shy as I used to be. And I think that's a huge change that's happened for me over the course of my life. And as I've kind of grown into myself. Do you remember a time when you felt the shift in growing into yourself? Yeah, I think, I think it really took until I was probably in college. I think that kind of shift happens for a lot of people as they get closer to adulthood. You know, you're breaking away from family, you're having more of an individuality and more space to kind of explore who you are as a person. And I didn't go that far away. I was about an hour and a half from my family. But I will say that just having that space to make my own choices really helped me kind of get out of my own bubble and make friends and really open up in that way. 
And I think too, I really felt it a lot more as I got closer to the end of college and going into grad school even more so because I realized that sometimes I was just getting in my own, my own way with being shy or being closed off to people. How about you? How do you feel like things have shifted or changed since growing up? So I'm also from a family of four. Uh, my parents are still married and my younger brother is almost four years younger than me, but we're very close and he lives in Portland, Oregon. And yeah, I mean, if you listen to, I'm pretty sure it was like the Thanksgiving episode, parents met in a very unique way through my aunts and uncles who were friends. So my dad's side, my mom's side were friends and my parents met through them. So I have a very interesting family dynamic. That's really, really cool. So I've always felt very supported growing up and everyone lives, you know, within an hour of each other in California well, minus my brother at this moment, but I still am very close with my family. Um, growing up, I think that I was a little bit sheltered and naive, especially in high school. I was a big romantic fantasizer, daydreamer, and all I ever wanted in high school was a boyfriend. I was very head in the clouds. I you know, would sit there and play The Sims for hours and make fake worlds and fantasize about life. And I think that, you know, I don't, think that was an issue. But looking back, I kind of wish that I wasn't as shy as I was because I was pretty shy back then. Um, but I think there was a part of me that was always wanting to get out. And then when I moved away, because I went to school in Arizona, I made that choice deliberately so I could find independence away from my family. Because I grew up in a family where my mom would stay at home after she had me and my brother. My dad worked two jobs and, you know, gave us a really good life. And I feel like I needed to break away and do more for myself. And college is really where I learned to grow up. I had a lot of heartbreak. I had a lot of first experiences and I became no longer shy, but very outgoing. And I never knew that this was inside me, but I think a part of me deep down might've known that this person was there because <laughs> I was, you know, the kind of girl that would go to Hot Topic, you know, at 13 years old, there was a side to me that was always a little bit rebellious. And like, you know, I didn't do drugs or, or barely drink in, um, in high school, but I think there was a side of me that was always a little bit different, a little bit rebellious and that really came out in college. And ever since then, I've just been, you know, growing my social circle. And I feel like my confidence has come with being more secure with myself and just, you know, trusting the process of things. My anxiety has gotten worse in the last year because I'm going through a major career transition right now. And I was just telling Ryan about how scared I am because I'm actually entering the real world for the first time for real. No school, no handholding. This is my life. So yeah, that was a, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, for this episode to kind of touch on our family dynamics and how they may have really impacted, you know, that shift for us from childhood to now adulthood and you know do you feel like your kind of like head in the clouds and like dreamlike personality while you were younger do you think that had a lot to do with how your family kind of supported and sheltered you in a lot of ways it's funny because my parents are really cool they were never you know I didn't grow up in a super religious family or anything like that like they were very open and honest and I could curse at home my mom would always be the one I would call if I was ever in danger and I wouldn't get punished you know so I never had that feeling but I think that it just wasn't meant to be 
my life course. I think that the daydreaming probably helped save me in a lot of ways because I think that if I didn't grow up with this family structure, I think I would have been in trouble. I think I would have been the girl that got in trouble. I say that because the trouble happened in college for me. I just got very lucky. That's for another story. But I, I definitely think my family, I mean, they've always been supportive. I always felt supported by my family, a little too supported. You know, I think that I wish I would have had a little bit more independence, you know, growing up, but it's okay. I mean, I look at my life and I'm like, you know what, this is what it was meant to be. This is where I am now. And I'm grateful for it and all the experiences. But like I've mentioned on the podcast before, you know, I went into therapy not to fix anything about myself or my family. I went in to be a therapist because I wanted people to have the life that I had, you know, what it's like to grow up in a family that actually supports you like fully a hundred percent. And, you know, a lot of what I've done has been giving back to the community. I've always wanted to help people find what they're looking for. And and then not just therapy, but also just like, you know, I run my LA social group. I want people to meet friends. You know, I like being that person to bring people together, but I think it has to do with the, the family dynamic and how I was brought up. I'm curious to hear more about how you feel on that topic. I think I think there's a lot of complex issues kind of within my family and I do feel like there's a huge portion of that that blended to me being shy and me being more isolative and a lot of it was to stay out of trouble because I wouldn't take chances on anything I you know like you like really didn't drink or do drugs or anything in high school like I was pretty a pretty good kid for the most part and that's not to say that I didn't want to go to parties and want to try those things. I was just too afraid to um, because I didn't come from quite as open of his family as you did. And so for me and my family, a lot of issues that would come up would just be kind of diminished or like there would be kind of a reaction to it. And then there would just, there would just no be no follow-up. So I think seeing my older brother kind of living more of the normal high school life and my fear of kind of shaking the boat whatsoever at home. Like I was the one who kind of just kept the peace by hiding. And so because of that, I think I was pretty shy because if I wasn't shy, like I would be out there doing more things and making more friends. And that's not to say that I didn't have friends in high school. I did, but my friends were like me. They came from more religious families and um, they you know, enjoy just kind of hanging out and staying at home. And so we, I really wasn't out being social whatsoever. And so it took a lot of work on my part going from that environment to college to figure out like, how am I going to do this? Because I'm not used to putting myself out there in a way that I would make friends or go to parties or do any of these things. And it took a while for me to figure out. I think freshman year was fun, but it was hard for me because I didn't feel like quite like myself. Like I hadn't really figured out who I was yet. And I was making a lot of mistakes, like things that I didn't feel good about. And I felt really out of control for a while, just kind of searching for the answers on who I was. And it wasn't until I think I found some good friends who I'm still friends with today that really helped ground me and figure out like, you can be yourself and still have fun and not be out of control, you know, like you not be flailing around trying to be someone you're not necessarily, you know, because I've never been a big person who wants to party all the time. Like my grandma, I like to go to bed at 8 p.m. and sleep and be up early. And so I can still be that and still have fun now. So it took it took a lot of 
mental work and kind of getting to know myself and making those mistakes, which I think everyone needs to go through. I think it's the family dynamics that either help you get off to a good start with that or continue to hinder you, whether consciously or unconsciously as you move forward. It sounds like your friends were kind of the turning point for you in many ways that maybe the support of your friends is what helped you more than even the support of your family. I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Um, I spent a lot of time with them and uh, my friend, my best friend, Brie, her mom was very similar to your mom. Like she's super supportive. And, you know, I'm, I remember when we, we, we would go out, like if, if she was in town or we were at her house back in Bakersfield, if we had a hangover, like Kristen was there to like give us ice cream and water and all that good stuff. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time with my friends and even with Bree's mom for a lot of the point um, and felt pretty supportive and accepted by them. And I think too, meeting my friend Bree and Sarah, like they've always been very accepting and non-judgmental. And so I always felt like I could just really show up as myself, you know, no bars held back because there wasn't ever going to be this part where they were going to be ashamed of me or, or upset with me for anything. And um, they're both in the helping field too. They're both, you know, uh, behavioral therapists. So I feel like we kind of went on that journey together as well. That's, that's super important. And, you know, we talk a lot about support systems, but like, think about it. If you don't have anyone in your life who's supporting, who's supporting you and who's supportive of you, what do you really have? And you don't need a lot of people. I mean, you need, I would say you need one, but I would say two because someone's, you know, not always going to be available, but I think it's really important to have people in your life that take you for who you are and not who you might be or who you could be, but for you as yourself in the here and now. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. We talk about this a lot and I think it'd even be good to do another episode on friends and social circles, but I will say that I can tell the difference in my mental health when I have a good support system friend group versus when I don't. And most of my life, I never had a good friend group. I would have friends, but they were never very supportive. They were kind of dramatic or, you know, they would kind of stab me in the back. And I think we've all been through groups like that, but I never really felt like I belonged with a friend group. And that was always really hard. And I think that's where a lot of my depression would come from is when I would be in groups like that or lack these types of friends that were weren't helpful in my life, I would get really depressed. And even when I was in college or getting finished with college into grad school, um, you know, all my friends moved away from college. So I, I lacked that social life that I used to have. And I got really, really depressed. I was really struggling for a long time. You know, Lauren lived or lives in LA. And so she wasn't close anymore after grad school and then all the things. So that's kind of a big decision of why I decided to move as well is to kind of start over and have a friend group. So I will say to anyone listening, you know, if you feel like you're not in a place where your friends are supportive or the right group for you, like do not be afraid to put out that effort to look for new people. I used, and I know um, Lauren has too, Bumble BFF has like such a cool platform to meet new people and some of these meetup groups and, you know, like club Waka sports and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like, it's just such a great way to put yourself out there to kind of attract the right people back into your life. It's so true. And I'm sure I've mentioned this, but um, other than Ryan and a few other friends, I've met most of my friends online. One of my good friends I met through kickball, three of my best friends I've met through meetup groups. And then I run this LA women's group. And I would say like 90% of the people who join want to meet friends. 
And I think it's so great that people want to find other people that they can connect with. And I think the reason that we're talking about this now, we segued from family to friends is because sometimes your friends are your family and sometimes they'll get you more than your family ever will. Just because your family's your blood doesn't mean that they, you know, deserve to be. I don't know. Is that harsh? I don't know. (laughs) No, I, I think that, you know, they say like friends are the family that you can choose. I think it's important like to just, you know, connect with your family, but like really looking at what is the damage that's being done in the relationships with your family. We um, just posted about this on, on Instagram recently, you know, like how is your family affecting your mental health? And like, what, what are you doing on your side of it to be clear about that? Because I think that's a big first step. Um, If you're not setting the right boundaries or the clear boundaries with your family, how are they going to know how to respond in a healthier manner? But there's also those family members that you may set all the boundaries in the world. You may be very clear. You might really show them what the damage that they're doing and they're still not in the place where they're able to respond in a healthier manner. And then you have to make those decisions on what's gonna be best for you. Is that space? Is that, you know, whatever, limiting how often you see them, whatever it is, like really reach out to somebody to kind of talk about that, a therapist, leaning on your support group, things along those lines. That's really important. I don't know, like when you were growing up and things were hard, what, what was your family like? What, how would they respond to things when you were upset or were having like challenges? So, I mean, I, I kind of evaluated this question fairly recently with my own therapist, um, especially now living out in Connecticut on my own. Like I have a really great friend group. However, I still do live alone and I don't have family around. So if something happens, you know, my first instinct is to rely on myself. And I, I kind of realized that that's always been my first instinct is to rely on myself. And the reason for that is because my family has always been very, um, I don't know what the word is, like they, they just diminish any kind of emotional or mental health thing I bring up. It's always been like that. Um, if I'm sick, you know, they used to call me a hypochondriac or they would really just kind of make it seem like I was being overdramatic or things weren't as bad as I was explaining to them. I've always been a hypersensitive person. So I'm very connected to my body. I always know when something's wrong. Um, And so a lot of people will will be like, well, you know, you seem like there's always something wrong, but I think it's because I'm just really keyed into my emotions and what's going on within me. So to answer your question more simply, like there wasn't a lot of like actual helpful support. Yes, my family was there to listen if I needed to talk to them about stuff, but I never really felt like their response was supportive. Um, It really felt like they just wanted me to, pretend like it wasn't happening I guess yeah that's tough I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there that can relate because our our parents generation is like the come down of the you know we don't talk about feelings we don't talk about these things this is private kind of generation (laughs) yeah yeah definitely I think it just depends on personalities too um But I I will say like, you know, therapeutically, if I were to look at myself on the outside as a therapist looking in, um, you know, I can see where the damage has been done. And a lot of that is I have a hard time admitting that something actually might be wrong. Like I was sick recently. It took me hours to get myself to the ER because I was convinced that I was just being overdramatic and it wasn't that bad and that people would think the same thing. And that's, 
that's trauma. That's based off of somebody telling you for a very long time that what you're feeling is not valid. And so you question and doubt yourself all the time when it comes to things like that. And that's been a hard thing to work on for myself of like, how can I trust myself more? And my therapist asked me that recently. Do you trust yourself? That was a hard question. That's a hard thing to ask yourself. Like, do you trust yourself? Like automatically you want to be like, yeah, I do. But then you think about it and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I trust, trust what I feel or think, which is kind of sad. I think that's also just part of growing and healing it's hard because there's times where I feel like you can trust yourself and you do trust your intuition and instincts. And other times you're not sure because nothing's guaranteed. Everything you do in your life is a risk, you know, which is scary if you think about it, but you're basically, you know, going off of, you know, maybe intuition, maybe pressure to make choices, you know, how do you feel like for from your family dynamic and how they supported or not didn't support you about, around emotions and kind of experiences, how it impacts you now? Yeah. So my family was very supportive of emotions um, and how I was feeling growing up. I think that did they understand everything? No. Did they say I was dramatic? Yes. Were there times I was? Probably. I don't remember. But I was a very sensitive kid and I'm still a sensitive adult, but I've worked really hard to try to minimize more of the um, physical (laughs) emotions, uh, such as crying. While there's nothing wrong with that, I don't need to cry all the time. So I've definitely worked on that, but it doesn't mean that something doesn't sting me inside internally, but I'm really grateful that my family was there to support me emotionally and surprise because when I started learning psychology and, you know, therapy in the master's program, I feel like what I had growing up was super rare. Uh, You know, like the fact that I had two parents who validated my emotions is really huge, um, at least validating them most of the time. Um, So I think that it was very unrealistic to the rest of the world. And that's where, you know, when I went to college is when I learned, okay, these people are not like me. They don't know what it's like to feel this way um, and feel validated. And, you know, I'm glad that I had that opportunity to meet people from different walks of life than me. And I, I like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful for the emotional validation. It definitely helped me. However, you know, even though it's been very helpful, I think it's also created fantasy <laughs> around certain things. You know, my expectations are higher than most people probably because I come from a, well, everyone, you know, um, probably came from a life that was similar to me, you know, because how was I supposed to know until that's why, you know, if you move away or you go to college or you have an experience that's different from just being at home your whole life, you'll learn this. Um, So I think that I've gotten my ass beat down many times in the last couple of years from just living in LA and, you know, being on my own. But I, I think that growing up, it was really great to have validation. I feel, you know, I mean, just from the therapist perspective, like as a child, when your emotions are being validated and you feel safe to share those things, you usually become more of a confident adult, a confident child, you know, like there's more confidence in being able to, like we just talked about, trust what you're feeling and feel comfortable sharing it in different ways. Do you feel like that's been the case for you? That's a really good point. Yeah, I do. I think that I was never not, not confident growing up. 
I didn't have like, it was not popular. I was not, you know, one of those girls that had everything she wanted and wow, look at her. But I, even though I went through bullying um, and, you know, some other minor things of just being, you know, an adolescent and a teenager, I feel like I was able to maintain a good self-esteem. That's something I'm really proud of. And it's because of my parents. There's absolutely no way I'd be this way if it wasn't for them. And, you know, there's been a million studies, I'm sure any, anyone can look up, you know, different um, studies on self-esteem and confidence. But I think that my confidence fully showed itself when I got to college. And that's why I became the person I always was, because I felt like, you know, this is my chance to start over in a new in a new state and I get to be whoever I want to be. And I think that, you know, confidence is hard. I'm not always confident, of course, and I have bad days, but I think that overall I'm confident in myself and I do love myself. I do. I think sometimes I struggle with it, but I cannot confidently say that I love myself and it didn't take me very long to get there, but it took hard experiences and moving away to feel that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's good to hear. And you know, if you're a listener and you feel like your growing up situation was not healthy or really contributed to your lack of confidence, that's not to say that there's not a way to turn that around and start to build that for yourself. I think it's important to work on our self-esteem and confidence and self-love from any starting point, whether you're at a low starting point or a higher start starting point. Um, so I think you know, kind of from what we've said as we've moved forward through this conversation is a lot of it is identifying the areas that you're like, you know what, I really wish this was a little bit different about myself. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking kind of just the way you cope with things. Like if you're shy and you don't want to be shy, like really pinpointing those areas and saying, okay, like what are some small steps I can take to start to feel more comfortable getting to where I want to be? Um, And that might be using a platform like what Lauren and I use, like bubble BFF or the meetup groups or joining a sport, you know, and just slowly starting to put yourself back out there. Exactly. And, you know, something that I've just learned and being in the helping field is, you know, a lot of this is, you know, or more hidden trauma really of just like how you were raised, you know, especially like with um, wanting validation from parents that is, clearly in a hidden trauma. And, you know, that's why therapy work and, you know, specifically trauma work, if you work with a trauma uh, therapist could be really beneficial because you might not realize what you're going through is actually part of the trauma family. But I I think that's one of the things I, I see a lot, especially in just like being on different like Facebook groups online, different women's groups is, you know, people having issues with their family. And I feel like sometimes you have to drop that entirely to get what you want. Um, you know, saying that you want to be validated by your mom may never happen. You may never get that. Is it awful and sad? Absolutely. I wish that you could get that, but you need to learn how to validate yourself and create the world that you want. And like Ryan said, you know, you got to start small, but you also have to realize that some of the things you want, you may never get, and you have to learn to be okay with them to the best of your ability. You don't have to be okay with them hundred percent. You could still, you know, deep down feel like, wow, I really wish this was different. But I think what happens is people put these major goals of other people that may never happen, you know, in their life, and then they get defeated, and they give up. And then their confidence is shot when really take the hard things away and focus on what you can control. 
And if you want to like join a sports league, but you're afraid, you know what? See if someone can join with you. If not, you sign up, you go. If you hate it that much, you don't have to stay. Got to start small. Right. Yeah. And I like what you said about really not putting so much uh, emphasis on how other people are going to change to make your life better because you know, maybe your family is willing to go to therapy with you. Maybe they are willing to have those conversations and to talk it out and make some improvements overall as a family dynamic. But a lot of the time, depending on where you're coming from, like that's, if they were going to change, they would have taken that step already. And so that's not to say that you shouldn't have those conversations or encourage them to make those changes if they're willing to, but don't bet on it. You know, don't live your life moving forward, hoping that there's going to be a change that'll make everything better. You have to kind of figure out what is it going to be in order to support yourself. That's going to be really helpful. And it's easy to say out loud because I know I live through it as well. But the thing is like, you have to drop that guilt and shame about whether or not that's going to hurt their feelings or if, you know, it's going to cause issues in the family. Like at the end of the day, like you have to protect and take care of yourself so that you feel like your life is going in the direction that you want it to go. And that really is just doing the work, going to therapy, improving your support system. You know, that doesn't mean you can't, you cut the family off altogether if you don't want to. Like, it just means limiting time with them or only sharing things that you know you're comfortable sharing that they don't have a reaction to, whatever it is, you know, really kind of identifying those areas and then identifying the areas that you want to grow and that you can control. So why are we talking about this? Well, I believe that we, the two of us decided to talk about this today because we started this podcast because we wanted to, because the two of us made a commitment and we wanted to start the podcast. We didn't run it by our families. Well, at least I didn't. I don't know if Ryan did. My family doesn't even listen to it. Okay. My brother does. My brother, my brother listens. (laughs) So basically, you know, the reason we wanted to talk about these topics today was to basically just give yourself compassion and more credit to do the things that you're passionate about without the excess noise of people in your life and judgment. I really feel like this was a good choice for us and we've learned a lot. Uh, We've also perfected our interview skills, which is great Mm -hmm. for us being therapists, but, you know, we took what we've learned over the last few years. We did not do this, you know, right when we had the idea and Ryan been the one that's really pushed this along um, and has been like the backbone of the podcast. I will give her credit because it's true. But I feel like, you know, if we had listened to anyone who said, eh, it's really a lot of work. I don't know that we'd be here. So find what you're passionate about. Do it. Do it with the confidence. And it can be something really magical if you make it. Right. And not to like be set on the idea of failure, because I think that there's always going to be a chance of failure, but you'll never know whether or not you're going to fail if you don't try. And like Lauren said, like there's going to be a lot of people whispering in your ear, telling you not to do things and why you shouldn't do them, et cetera. But that's from their experience. It's not from your experience. Obviously, if there's certain things like, Hey, don't jump out of a plane without a parachute. Like, yeah, that's probably good (laughs) advice to listen to. But if it's, they're saying like, Hey, don't go start a knitting club or whatever idea you have, like, why not? 
what like what's the worst thing that can happen it doesn't work out okay then you know it didn't work out but that's also where confidence gets built is by trusting the ideas you have feeling out what you're interested in and going for it without always seeking out all the validation from other people and I know it's hard to do but that's a good step is really doing things that bring you joy whether people think they're silly or not yeah exactly and also understanding that with putting yourself out there you're going to get criticism that's part of life sometimes you're aware of it sometimes you're not aware of it but there's people out there that are like what the hell are they doing what is this and you know what it doesn't really matter in the end because it's not it's it's our life you know it's our decision it's not theirs so you know remembering that criticism will probably happen no matter what you do but to just push through that and and do your best to feel in that moment okay I'm pissed off at this person for saying this but it's also not gonna you know affect me in a way that's going to you know completely destroy what I've worked so hard to create I always tell my clients this and also tell myself this which is a motto I kind of live by is that there's always going to be somebody that's trying to kick you down like you don't need to be that person for yourself because there's always going to be other people that are going to do it and it's out of your control. So you might as well be your own cheerleader, your own backbone, your own best friend, your own partner. You might as well do all those things and be good at it because you're the only one who's going to stick around at the end of the day, no matter what. So make sure that you're really treating yourself like that. That's a good motto. I like that. Right, guys. Well, we hope that you got to know us a little bit more and, you know, can relate to some of this stuff. If you have any tips or tricks for building confidence or self-esteem, please send us an email. We'd love to hear them or give us a message on Instagram or a comment. We'd love to hear from you guys and really hope that you enjoyed our one year of um, episodes so far. Yes. Thank you for supporting us this last year. And we really appreciate it. We say it a lot because it's true. And another way to support us is to subscribe, rate, comment. That really helps our podcast. Also follow us on Instagram where we post a lot of our you know original content and we are just very grateful. So thank you everyone. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dopeshttherapypod and via email at dopeshttherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.